Good evening. I'm, I'm gonna unmute you one at a time. And I'm gonna unmute you, Jackie. And test down, Jackie. Jackie, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, can you will you come up just a little bit? Say that again. You're coming in a little low. Okay, can, is this better? A little better. Give me just a little bit more. Can you? Okay, let me see. I may need to. I've never done this before, so I don't know. Let me see. Just well, we, Yeah, we can hear you. We just need a little bit more. Okay, so my volume is, as, is up as loud as it'll It's be. good. Okay. It's good. All right. Thank you so much, Jackie. And uh, we're going to mute you. You're here part of the show, and then we're going to introduce you in about 25 minutes, and we'll be ready to go. Okay, sounds good. I told my team, I said, Jackie Cowan is disciplined. She ain't like the rest of our guests. Now these people are talking about high champ. <laughs> Cobra Nation. <laughs> Dr. Kemp, are you there? Good evening. I'm here. All righty. Good enough. Good enough. All righty. Meet you, Marlo. And then we're ready to go. Jim, I unmuted you. Are you there? Cliff, can you hear me? You are coming in loud and clear tonight, Jim. All right. All right. We'll be ready to go. We'll move along. Everybody got the schedule. A little music. We get mm -hmm. started. 755. All right. What'd you say? 755.
10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. And as we often do, we'll start early tonight. Unfortunately, another moment of silence, another tragic, unnecessary killing. We want to take just 20 seconds for our brothers down in Jacksonville, Florida. Moment of silence. Amen. All righty. So I'm going to open up Jim Marlowe's mic. Let's tell everybody these are my co-hosts. Hello. And later on, we're going to introduce none other than Miss Jackie Cowan, about 25, Jackie Cowan Freeman, in about 25 minutes. But Dr. Kemp, tell everybody hello. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. All righty. Jim, I want you to unmic you, co-host, tell everybody, hello, welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. You're going to have an exciting time today. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And uh, we're trying to get on also with us, Sheila Townsend. After her daughter had a victory today <laughs> at the U.S. Open, Taylor Townsend. And so uh, she's with us. Sheila. Yes, I'm here. Good evening. Hey. How I'm you doing? I'm well, thank you. All right. So we have the CEO with us as well, for the love of tennis. And you sound great. I was keeping up with it today. Yay, yay, yay. We're going to yeah, talk I, about it a little I, later. I heard you. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So ask your thoughts. And Sheila, I'm going to come to you first. Um, what's going on? What's the move? Our prayers are down with everybody, everybody in Jacksonville, Florida. So, uh, so just tell us a little bit about that incident. That incident. Well, here we go again with another story of um, a, a young teenager, Caucasian, with assault um, weapons legally obtained went into well first he went on a uh, on a hbcu college campus mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um the security guards noticed him and notified others about him and he was um i guess that when he realized that he was being watched um he left the campus and drove to a community where is um, predominantly, if not exclusively, African-Americans and went to a local Dollar General, I think, store and just shot the people. Although yeah. he did yeah. let some of the whites that were in the store, he let them go. But he shot somebody that was sitting in a car and then two people that were... Mm -hmm. 
inside the store. And it's just, you know, it was, it was very solemn today. I mean, a lot of the kids were, were very solemn and, you know, and it's almost like, um, a re traumatization of something that they shouldn't have to experience that. I mean, in 2023, we should not have to still be experiencing these things. And um, the questions that they ask are valid. Their um, fear is valid. Their concern is valid. And I, I, you know, honestly, I don't have any kind of logical answer that I could give them. I don't. Okay. And it's, 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 it's very disheartening, you know. Um, okay. Okay. Well, but, Sheila, well, Sheila uh, uh, we're going to keep everyone in our prayers. Uh, we're going to come back to the story. Coach Toriano, the football coach at Edward Waters, is coming on our show in a few weeks. I actually emailed him and just gave my prayers. And uh, also Dr. Ivana Rich, the athletic director who was on our show, both of them emailed me back. And they are going to come on our show as well and talk about that. So thanks for giving us that perspective. Um, we are going to keep up with the story for sure. And hopefully there aren't any others. Okay. All right. Now, got a couple of positive, good notes. Okay. Over the weekend, August 27th, there was a birthday. We need some of her music to uplift us. Yolanda Adams turned 62. So we want to say, hey, hey, happy birthday to Yolanda Adams. And also another person who gives us some good music, and that is Valerie Simpson this past Saturday. Had a birthday. She turned 77. Dr. Kemp, come on in. Tell us what you think about these two artists. We need some uplifting music. <laughs> so, That's the truth. I had to wait for the audience to, you know, simmer down. But that's the truth because um, those are two great artists. I mean, female artists that can just blow the roof off of any venue, wherever they are singing, especially Yolanda Adams. And, and I mean, not to slight uh, Valerie Simpson, that's for sure. Just her partner is not here, no longer here with us. So uh, we're so used to seeing her with Ashford, um, at the Ashford and Simpson. Um, but um, wonderful voices, uh, wonderful artists. Uh, so happy birthday to them, both both of them. Glad All they're right. still around. Solid as a rock. Ah. <laughs> All righty, we're gonna start off. Here we go. Our woman of the month, none other. We know her. Mrs. Jackie Joyner Kirsty. This is our last week with her. And uh, we've talked about her early life at East St. Louis. We talked about her as a basketball player and a track woman, her outstanding accomplishments at UCLA. We've gone over all of her gold, silver. She was a heptathlon specialist. But what we want to talk about now is just some of her awards and honors as we wrap it up for our Woman of the Month. She was the 1983 Broadick Award winner, now called the Honda Sports Award. 85, Broadway Award. 1986, James Bond Award. 1987, Jesse Owens Award. 1992, the George Thomas Mickey Leland Award. 1997, Jack Kelly Fair Play Award. 2000, St. Louis Hall of Fame inductee. 
2000 was inducted at the Laureate of the Lincoln Academy of Illinois and awarded the Governor of Illinois in the area of sports. 2010, NCAA Silver Anniversary Awards honoree, 2011, Denver Award, and the 2021 Webster University Doctor of Humane Medicine. Jim, come on, give us one more. This is our last week. Give us some thoughts on this Jack Joyner. Curse. Come on, Jim. Jim? All right. Am I muted? No, you're clear. Okay, I'm clear? Yes. Okay, I see it now. Um, she's giving back to her, she has a foundation in East St. Louis where she's giving back to the kids and doing real good work there. And also to mention her brother was a uh, Jump specialist too, Al. So that was a talented family. Hmm. Yeah. One one thing, Jim, that a lot of people didn't know is that Jack Jordan Kirsty also had asthma, and uh, she fought that the whole time when she was, uh, you know, an Olympic athlete. But she still had to take care of that asthma. So that's one more thing that she overcame. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. So, Miss Jackie Jordan Kirsty. Yeah. Okay, now we've been focusing on women, executives, and sports, and we always want to mention at least one each week. There's one that we probably don't talk about, Kim Davis. She's an American corporate executive, and she serves as a vice president in the National Hockey League, okay? Kim Davis graduated from Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, in the late 1970s with a degree in economics. She worked with Morgan Chase, and she also came on in December of 2017 in a role as Executive Vice President of Social Impact, Growth Initiatives, and Legislative Affairs for the National Hockey League. She had a particular impact on improving diversity within the league. And in 2020, National Hockey League announced the formation of its Executive Inclusion Council. Dr. Kemp, what do you think about this outstanding young lady and what you've been doing? Because hockey is getting the black players, you know. Oh yeah, they, yeah, we we're getting a few in there. Um, and it's glad to know that somebody is definitely um in the suites taking care of business, you know, for us. Um, uh, what I liked about uh reading about her, she built the first women of color affinity group at Chase Manhattan Bank, um, and then she also developed a mentoring program for senior women, um, that became an industry best practice in investment banking. You know, which we definitely all. Um, need to recognize and of course in the past she was profiled with our our first lady Michelle Obama in Essence magazine as the 28th most influential black women in America so my hat goes off to Miss Davis Miss Kim Davis all righty Jim on Mike tell us what are your thoughts about Miss Kim Davis all righty We'll move on. Jim's having some tough time in there. All right. We'll move on to our next story. We said we would not go by this year, this season, without covering volleyball. 
Last year we started in November, and we missed it. But right now, we're catching up pretty quickly. So let's start with the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. And this year, <clears throat> just got started. You know, uh, there are two new teams, Talladega and the University of Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands doesn't have a volleyball team. But here's the start so far. Talladega overall 1-3, but they're 1-0 in conference play. Oakland's 1-0 overall. Dillard's 1-3 overall. Fisk 1-3 overall. Rust 1-5 overall. Southern University hasn't played. Just a little tickle. And Wiley is 4-2 overall. For Landis Smith, last year's champion, a 1-2 overall and 0-1 conference play. So what has happened? Talladega just joined the league, and they've already beaten last year's champion in the first conference game of the season. What do you think about that, Dr. Kemp? Wow. I mean, uh, Talladega, <laughs> they're going to be improving themselves. They're going to make sure that they <laughs> they try to get to the championship game already. I don't blame them. Go, Talladega. Um, <laughs> they're coming out beating Philander. And Philander's ranked number one. You know, they better watch out because Talladega's not playing. Yeah, <laughs> hey, they are coming in, kicking butt, and taking names. Yeah, coming yeah. in strong to the GCAC. Absolutely. And uh, last year, Philander Smith beat Dillard for the championship. Dillard was favored, and the game was in Dillard's gym. And in fact, Dillard's coach will be coming on our show in just a few weeks. So things are heating up. We are definitely going to cover inside out volleyball this year. It's a great sport, and we have to. Our second conference that we're going to talk about tonight, and our last one tonight, is the MIAC Division One. Now, Gulf Coast, NAIA, the MIAC Division One. These teams have not played a non-conference game. But here they are, Coppin State 2-1, Delaware State 2-1, Howard 2-1, Maryland Store 2-1, Norfolk State 0-2, North Carolina Central 0-2, Morgan State 0-2, and South Carolina State 0-2. Now, over the, record, over the weekend, excuse me, Howard University had a match against George Mason and McKinnon, who was the player of the year in the MIAC or preseason volleyball, Howard was down to George Mason, 2-0, two sets to zero. And this young lady brought Howard all the way back, and they defeated George Mason. Let me tell you how outstanding she was. Ryan McKinnon led the comeback for the Bison, and she had a program record, 30 kills in one afternoon. They were setting up, and she was just spiking down, you know? And so um, the Bisons are off to a big start. And we're just, volleyball is so exciting, and, I, and it's an excellent way for young people, Jim, we talked about this before, to earn a scholarship to college. I wish more young people would pay attention to volleyball. But what do you think about the comeback, Jim? What do you think about that comeback? Hey, that's why you never give up. You keep on fighting to the end, because mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jim, I'm going to ask you a question in volleyball because we're still in this game. Uh, what is the libero? Isn't that a defensive player on volleyball? Is something like that? Libero player? Have you heard of it? Uh, no. A player uh, from Serbia, you say? No. 
Libero is a, a designated player in volleyball, and uh, they're a player that comes in for defense. We're going to go into it more this week, but it's it's a um, special position. I'm learning the volleyball inside out myself, but it's called the Libero player. Maybe later on we'll Jackie Callen over here tell us Jackie Callen Freeman because she was a big-time volleyball player too. All right? Go Bison. Is that a person right. that comes in to defend the net? No, we'll have to go in there. It's different. All righty. I'll tell you what did happen this weekend. The World Championships track and field. Uh-oh, Dr. Kemp, I know you have something to say. Let's talk. Women. <laughs> <laughs> you know where we're starting. Ooh, I tell you, that Shikari is showing <laughs> out big time. Ooh, she came. She is not playing. She was like, I'm back. I'm here to show you all that I'm back. And she is definitely showing out. That's all I got to say. How can you run 100 meters in 10 seconds? 10.65. 10 10 uh, yeah. Yeah. I knew when she when she was qualifying at the United States track and field like a month ago, she took that wig off at the start <laughs> line. I said, she, she is. <laughs> now, congratulations, Shikari. She let him know. I, yeah. I don't need all this weight on me. <laughs> she won the 100. She was also third in the 200. And uh, Sharika Jackson from Jamaica won the 221.49 seconds. And then the U.S. women in the four. 100 beat the Jamaican women. So, again, USA is back. Jim, did you see any of it? I saw some of it. They were dominating. But I do want to mention right now a fellow named Noah Lyles. Woo! And you, you, did you hear what he said? No, I didn't hear what he said. I saw what he did. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, he said that, you know, world championship. I don't know why, you know, when the NBA plays, they call it a world championship. I don't see any other flags, but America, NFL, the same way, world championship football. Mm -hmm. And he has been roasted on social media for that one. I well, think he's had to walk it back a little bit. But just the fact that he just decided to, you know, go up to the podium not thinking about what he was saying. Mm. Well, you know, well, I mean, well, you can run that fast, you know, right. you say what you want to say. <laughs> yeah, your mouth has to catch up to your brain. But, Cliff, I, I did find something out about Libero, which you were talking about. It's a defensive specialist. They never, they never leave the game. They never really rotate. They always stay in the back, and their job is to keep the ball moving to foster more digs and rallies and to make the game exciting or more overall. All righty. All righty. Now, one more thing we want to mention on this World Track and Field Championship, and that is uh, Daniela Williams. She ran for Jamaica. I believe she won the 200 or hurdles. She won a gold. She is a graduate of Johnson C. Smith, HBCU from CIAA. So we want to congratulate her. We're going to look up all these and talk about a lot more next week. All righty. WNBA, things are heating up. Let's congratulate, first of all, the uh, 
Las Vegas Aces. They hit 30 wins and set a lead record. Uh, nobody's done it that quickly. And um, they're 30 and 5. They're up for 44 games. So we're getting down ready for the playoffs. They've already clinched a playoff spot. New York Liberty, 27 and 7. They already clinched a playoff spot. And I believe they're playing tonight. Okay. The Liberty's up this year 2 to 1 for Las Vegas Aces in their series. The other, only other team that's uh, clinched the playoffs spot is the Connecticut Sun. They're 24 and 11. Okay. Now, these teams are already eliminated. It's only a 12 team lead. Seattle Storm, 10 and 25. They are mathematically already eliminated from the playoffs. And I want to mention this. Even though they're eliminated, Phoenix Mercury, 9 and 25. First time in 10 years, they are still champions because it is so good to have Brittany Griner back. You know, Jim, it was just a year ago. We forget quickly. But it was just a year ago that we were wondering if this young lady would ever come back. And here she is, has played a complete season in the WNBA. So, Phoenix, you know, give me your thoughts, Jim. And then, Marlo, give me your thoughts. And then, Sheila, give me your thoughts. Brittany Griner. Jim? Well, I remember early on in the show, we would always have a moment, a uh, Brittany Griner update. And it's so good to see her playing now. We're not updating her status. You know, she's she's played fairly well. She had a spell there where she had to take a mental break, which is understandable. But all in all, I think Brittany Griner is back. Marlo? Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely agree with Jim. Um, she is definitely going to be... Um, definitely much better, hopefully, prayerfully come next year. Um, but it was great to see her back, um, back on the court. And um, I actually thought Phoenix, you know, did better than what their record is actually showing. Um, but it's, I'm just happy, you know, that they were, you know, able to move forward, especially with her, um, you know, being on the court mm -hmm. with them. So mm -hmm. glad to have mm -hmm. her home, of course. And, and yeah. Sheila, I'm, I'm unmiking you. Let's talk, let's talk about Brittany, and then we're going to be right into the U.S. Open. Give us your thoughts on Brittany. Well, what I what I most respect about what she did is she really just tried to get herself back. She gave herself a moment, but then she tried to get herself back to what she loved to do and just find her space in there. And, you know, and kudos to the team for allowing her to be able to do that, to, to be able to give her that room. But she's been such an inspiration for so many others in other areas of, you know, people's lives and, and understanding. And her impact is far greater um, than I ever expected. So it, it's good to see her back in her element and i think that next year we will be um you know having a different conversation as far as their team and where they are mm -hmm. all right all right let's talk about let's talk about the u.s, US. Open. And, we, and and anybody can type in the chat but the u.s open is here let's talk first coco golf ranked number six in the world last month in cincinnati she won it all she beat the number one player in the semifinals, Iga Swiatek. First time in eight tries. Just tell us, you've seen the development of this young lady up close. Tell us 
What do you think about Coco Golf for chances to get a first grand slam? Oh, I think Coco is, she's right there. And I think that um, with the addition, I mean, she had a, a, a very good team, but I think the addition of Brad Gilbert to her team, and we've been able to see how his his impact from and it started with um, the Sea uh, Open in DC. She won that, yeah, yeah. and then she came back and she won Cincinnati. So her confidence is growing, and he has really been able to um, give her tools to um, block out the noise. And he's given her some simple things to do that has really um, been transformative with her game, you know, when she was struggling. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. And then Taylor. And then Taylor. Taylor is playing singles, 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 singles this singles. year at the U.S. Open. Won her first match today. And uh, she seems to be able to play with anybody because they won in Cincinnati. And did she just meet the girl and start playing with her that week in Cincinnati? But she's not playing she's with the not- same player at the U.S. Open. Tell us what's going on with Taylor. Well, yeah. Well, she was supposed to play with Layla, but Layla pulled out of the tournament. And so... Um, we knew Alicia from when we were living in Georgia, in Atlanta, and um, so she literally, it was the last hour that she had to sign up, and she she actually sent Alicia a message by Instagram, because she didn't have her phone number, if she wanted to play, and she said, yeah, and I bet you she's glad she said yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Alrighty. you know it's, it, that is that was a full circle because, like I said, we we've known them since they were she and her sisters since they were very young girls. So to see them now um, coming around and playing together is a full circle. Wow! Wow! Well, chill. Well, chill. Next few weeks, next few weeks, we'll bring you back and bring you back. Analyze this, analyze this, and get the men and everybody in. Uh, we're gonna take a thirty-second break. 30 second. We're gonna come back, Jim. We'll come back, Jim. We'll have abbreviated, we'll have abbreviated men's, uh, men's, uh, men's segment tonight. We'll just talk about the we'll just Jackson State game. State game. And then we'll go on and we'll meet Miss Jackie Howard. Alrighty. So thirty seconds. Thirty-second break. Thirty-second break. Burton friends featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports at HBC Athletics. We want to welcome it. Michigan University's Hall of Famer, Renee Spencer, basketball player to the show. Welcome Julian Palmer to the show. We have 16 engaged online 
been in the studio and adding every minute. Jim, just give us a brief man segment tonight. Let's just highlight the SWAC MIAC game. Okay. Well, okay. the SWAC MIAC football challenge happened this weekend at uh, Georgia State College. And Jackson State won 37 to 7. But I want to say this before we get into it. If you remember last year when, De- when Dion was still coaching, he had 1,100 prospective athletes come in for either homecoming or the game after homecoming. So even though Dion moved to Colorado, a lot of those athletes got to see Jackson State, loved it. And this year's team arguably could be said it's as good or better than last year's yes. team. Yes. The quarterback, I saw, I forget his name, but his deep ball was impeccable. He was just laying it in there doing anything he wanted. So I don't think the talent level is going to fall off much. Now, this week, they play Jackson State and plays Florida A&M down in Miami. And that game, even though it's early in the season, the first week in September, will probably decide the SWAC SWAC West. No, East, East, I'm sorry. Because those two are two of the top three teams in the SWAC. So it would be very exciting to see what they do. Now, Buddy Pogue, the legendary coach for uh, South Carolina State, announced his retirement prior to the game. But like I said, post-game, he said this year's team is better than last year. We'll see. But, you know, they're they're still good. And they're going to compete every game. Jim, uh, Florida A&M, they've been waiting on this thing for about a year. Because remember, last year, they, yes. you're right, they played Jackson State. They didn't have 25 players. It was the second game of the season. And everybody believes that that was the team that was just as good or better than Jackson State. So Coach Willie Sims has been licking his chops mm-hmm. for about a year. Am I right? Yes, and I don't think they lost after they lost to North Carolina and Jackson State without a lot, a lot of their key players mm-hmm. until they so got to the playoffs. So, so that's yes. our big game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big game. All right. We're going to keep up with that, Jim. Thank you so much for, and it's abbreviated. Next week, we're going to cover in depth all of our football. Everybody's in action. And uh, we're going to take a very short break, and we're coming right back. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Back, Dr. Clifford and friends teaching the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletes. Like the 26 engaged people on the line and just listening in, and the other 18 that are here with us in the studio. Vanderbilt 2022 Hall of Fame basketball inductee, all SEC player, Southeastern Conference basketball, high school All American. 
track and field, state champion, high school basketball coach, Southwest Atlantic Christian College champion, bachelor's degree in engineering from Vanderbilt University. She's a business entrepreneur, owners of Interior by So Unique. She is a leader, influencer, and boy, what an honor to have her on the show. Let's please, please, please welcome to the show none other than Mrs. Jackie Cowan Freeman. Jackie, hello. Jackie there? Yes, I am. Hello, Dr. Cliff. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It is our honor. And um, before we get started, Jackie, I'm going to let them first say hello to you. And everybody just say hello. Marlo unmite. Jim is unmite. Uh, Marlo and Jim. And then Sheila, just say hello to Miss Jackie Cowan Freeman. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Hello. Thank you so much. Jim? Yes, Jackie, we're glad to have you, and we're excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you. All right, Sheila. Hello. Welcome, and okay, we look okay. forward to listening to your story, and so please do share. Thank you so much. All right. And, and we're going to let you jump, jump with some questions. questions. All right. All right. Now, 1977. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I was at a little junior high school on the boys' basketball team on one side of town. <laughs> and I thought I was a basketball player. And uh, a young lady, Jackie Gow's cousin, Monica, says to me, I have a cousin who plays basketball on the other side of town in Cumberland. She's pretty good. And so I said, well, okay. But everybody says the cousin's pretty good. Well, later on that year, and Jack was an eighth grader. I'm a ninth grader. I saw her play in the regions for the first time. And uh, the girls are still playing three on three, but you could see it. And then I had the privilege of going to the same high school as her. And I saw her first game. She's a four-year starter on the varsity as a freshman. And boy, since that day, I have never doubted what anybody ever said about the cousin again. <laughs> but Jack, tell our audience. I really want to always ask you this. <laughs> when did you first realize uh, at a young age, I, I can play this game. I'm a little ahead of my peers and even those ahead of me. When did it first hit you, Jackie? Um, as I look back, I was the youngest of five kids. Um, I had three older brothers and one older sister. And they used to go outside in our backyard. Our parents had a concrete driveway and had a basketball goal up there. And I used to watch because they would never let me play. So I would just go out there and watch and was, you know, envious because I'm like, well, shoot, I think I can get out there and, and do better than some of these others, but I didn't really know. So I would just go out there and watch. And most of the time I would watch, but every now and again, I would have a chance to go in because either somebody got hurt or somebody had to go home or whatever. And it was mostly boys. And so that kind of inspired me to get out there and just play around on my own and with my friends that were my age. So I would practice with some of my other friends in the neighborhood who were my age, and we would play against the boys that were our age. 
and we started beating the boys. And so at that point, as I got a little bit older, they would still be out in the backyard, my brothers and sisters, and then I would get in, and they would beat me up and push me around, but that's what made me tough, and I never gave in. I just was determined to get out there and be able to play with them. So that's where it actually started, in the backyard in the neighborhood. Wow. In North wow. Nashville, back in the, in the mid-'70s, probably 75, 76. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jackie, we're going to talk about three-on-three basketball, the way uh, in Tennessee the girls had to play there. And and it evolved five five. And if you were playing junior high ball, did it ever occur to you that that rule shouldn't be? Like, you could run up the narrow five on five with the guys, or the girls could. Because we're going to talk about how this evolved during your career in the history in the state of Tennessee. But did it ever occur to you when you were playing junior high ball? Like, why are we playing half court? You know, it didn't occur to me, I don't think, in junior high, but when it did actually occur to me was when we got to high school and I was, you know, involved and we were still playing six on six, three on three on each side. <laughs> and then, but the boys were playing five on five. And I had played five on five because I would play with boys often. And it wasn't until high school that I was thinking, why are we still behind times? That, that was really my thought. Not a lot more than a thought, but I did, you know, think about it. Why are we still playing like this? Old school basketball is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack, a little bit of history here. Tennessee was one of the last three states to go 515, okay? And in this book that Dr. Hamilton introduces to Title IX, Pat Summit, and the Tennessee Trailblazers, in 19, you started high school in 78, but in 1976, a student from Oak Ridge, Victoria Pate, sued the Tennessee Secondary Athletic Association, okay? She said that this game limited the half court for players in the state of Tennessee, and it was discriminatory. She actually won it, but the Court of Appeals reversed it back. And so then, later on, Pat Summit put an article out in the paper the next year that said she would not recruit from the state of Tennessee players because the skills are too limited, especially the ones that have played defense the whole time. And so that eventually forced the pressure on TWSAA and the state of Tennessee to switch to 515. That happened, you played three on three your freshman year, varsity and White Creek High, and then your sophomore year, we went to 515. So you were part of history because we all know Anybody can have legislation. Jackie Cowan, you are part of the validation. <laughs> the girls belong to play 515. And so uh, did you ever think back then how much of a part of history you were? You know, it's funny that you say that because when you're actually a part of history, you don't always understand the impact that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I look at it. When I was, you know, a 10th grader in high school and, we were very excited to be able to play five on five, but not really thinking about the historical aspect of it. Really didn't start thinking about, about that till much later um, because, you, like I said, you don't always understand that you are actually a part of history and you're making history. We were just happy to be able to run up and down the whole court. <laughs> yeah, well, 
you you were definitely part of that validation, Jack. I believe, at least in Middle Tennessee, you were the first All-American, high school American, to come out of that 515 era. And, uh, you know, I always say this, Jackie is as humble as she is legendary. So I'm, as a, a fellow Cobra, I'm just going to let y'all know, she scored over 2,000 points in high school before she left White Street High School, y'all. So, you know, Jackie, you just, you just have uh, helped validate that. Uh-huh. And uh, Jackie, who was the toughest competition, girls team-wise? And I, and I hope you mentioned it because they were the first high school team to win the state championship in AAA uh, 515. And that's the ladies of Pearl High High School. And do you remember playing against them? Let, let me tell you something. I got a little bit of a story and history about that. When all I right. was junior high school, we all went to school together. So uh, several of the girls that played on that 1980 state championship team, and we were teammates at Cumberland Junior High. Mm-hmm. Susan Steele, Juanita Johnson, uh, Blanche Brown. We all went to Cumberland Junior High together. And it was kind of um, unfortunate when we split. We went to White's Creek because of where we were zoned, and they went to Pearl Cone. Well, actually, it was Pearl. It was no Pearl Cone. It was Pearl. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was excited. Even though I wanted to beat them, I was excited for them because they were my friends. You know, I knew them. We were teammates at one time. And and them making history was an awesome thing as well. Yeah. In fact, when I looked at that team, and I knew a couple of players played with you at Cumberland, right? Yeah. yeah. But Ruth Bowman, Vicki Martin, and Gina Crowder played on the girls' team in West Virginia where I was here. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yes, I remember them as well. Yeah. So, because we used to battle over there when we were at West End playing in the tournaments in the in the mm-hmm. junior high school tournaments. Oh, that was tough then as well. So yes, I remember some of those names as well. Oh yeah. And I looked at that team. So congratulations. And we can't leave off that team. Not mentioned Dr. Helen Beer. She Dr. went to Chattanooga, came to fifth and played at board. She's outstanding. Uh Jim, I'm gonna let you jump in and just tell us your thoughts on Helen Beard. Jim knows about Helen Beard. Yes, uh, Helen Beard played great at Fisk, and I remember her best. I was teaching at Antioch Middle, and Helen was happened to sub over there that day, and it was the day we had the faculty and student game, and she lit the students up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and also that Pearl High team, thank you, Jim, had uh, a legendary track runner later on for Tennessee State, Barbara. Frazier. She was on that basketball team, too. So it was great. Jackie, let's leave high school. You're a high school All-American. Tell us the players that played in that high school All-American game with you after your senior year. Name some of those players for us. Oh, there was Cheryl Miller, uh, Teresa Edwards. Um, oh, you're making me go way back. Um, <laughs> Um, Lynette Woodard, was she there? I don't think Lynette Woodard was older than us. She was okay. older than us because um, mm-hmm. I was 82. So, you know, we were at that time, it was the parade All American team. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it, it was some uh, great players, West Coast players, East Coast players. It was really an honor to be able to. We went up to New York, um, a country club up there for the All American Weekend and All Star Game, and it was it was really an honor just to be chosen for that team. But not only that, to be able to go up there and to represent, you know, my school, my state, my city. And uh, it was really an honor. I was really I was proud of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I often say there's always those who kick on, kick on the floor and those who and the players in the East, yourself included, Jackie, kicked on that door to me, opened the door for the WWE. There is no doubt that the women on that list and a few more who came before them could play with anybody that started in 1997 the WNBA. But that's another party issue that you were part of and the women who opened up that door with your level play that at least had performed. So we're so proud again. So, Jackie, you finish with that and you have a decision to make. Everybody um, offers you scholarship coming out of high school. By the way, Jackie's a honor student, okay? So she had plenty of offers and you choose Vanderbilt. What made you choose Vanderbilt? Because I thought you were going to UT. I just guessed it. I was at Fisk at the time. What made you choose Vandy? Um, well, when I was looking at all of the uh, opportunities that I had available, I was looking at academics as well as athletics. And just mm-hmm. um, Vanderbilt won out because they had a program that I was interested in that very few schools had, which was um, biomedical engineering. That was um, something that I was interested in. And I say that I was interested in because, you know, sometimes as a 17, 18, 19-year-old, you think you know what you're interested in. And then sometimes God has other plans for us. Absolutely. You know, maybe take a different route. So when it came down to it, Tennessee definitely was a – strong contender as well as Vanderbilt and actually Kentucky. Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee were my top three. And Vanderbilt won because of the biomedical engineering program that they had. Okay. So you get to Vanderbilt. There's And, and I want to kind of really express to our audience and the young people who will listen to this program the demands at college when you put academics for the athletics. Talk about it a little bit, Jackie. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love to emphasize to young people, especially young student athletes, is the higher you go, so from junior high school to high school to college and beyond, the competition gets tougher and tougher, not just athletically, but academically. No, like in high school, I was in the top tier academically. But when I got to Vanderbilt, it seemed like everybody was in the top tier academically. <laughs> and so, you know, you're competing with all types of scholars and intellectual young people. So what's most important in that transition from high school to college is being focused, being disciplined and understanding why you're there. Yes, 
college is a lot of fun and it's a lot of opportunity to really learn about you as an individual. But what's most important is understanding why you're there being disciplined so that you can stay there and complete the task that you went for, which is to further your education and to get your degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jackie, you were also, um, by going to Vanderbilt, uh, a part of a legacy that was just beginning. Vanderbilt, for our audience who don't know, is the top academic school in the Southeastern Conference. And um, Teresa Phillips was the first player there, African American, in 77. I believe Kathy Bender is the second African American player out of Mount Juliet. So, somewhere in that first, we guesstimate eight to 10 players. African American to play for Vanderbilt was Jackie Cowan Freeman. Is that right, Jackie? Yeah, I, I'm somewhere in there. You know, Cliff, you got me wondering now exactly where, but I do know <laughs> that Teresa Lawrence Phillips, we're all standing on her shoulders. She was, yeah. like you mentioned, the first scholarship um, African American athlete at Vanderbilt, which was, which was a huge accomplishment considering what was going on in the state of Tennessee, what was going on in SEC women's basketball, just the tough competition there. So she's definitely a trailblazer. And then you have Kathy Bender who comes along and she's right behind Teresa. And then, you know, those other players that fall in line. And it wasn't so so many years later that I enrolled. Uh, Maybe Teresa was around 77. Mm-hmm. And I came in 82, about five years later. So, yes, it was, you know, like I tell people all the time, you don't you don't always know who you're opening the door for, but go out there and compete so that you give others the opportunity that are going to come after you. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's what Teresa and Kathy and company did for us as, as they came before us, helped build the foundation of what we know as, Vanderbilt women's basketball and a, and a strong contender in the SEC. Mm-hmm. You get to your junior year at Vanderbilt and something happened that happened in the history of Vanderbilt women's basketball. Besides you leading to the NCAA, your average 20 that year, you defeated somebody in the other end of the state. Tell me how that felt. Tell me. You know, that was a huge, huge, huge uh, bear off of our back because from the time we came to Vanderbilt and started playing and competing, the big elephant in the room, the big orange elephant in the room was Tennessee Lady Vols. Mm-hmm. And um, winning our junior year against them for the first time ever was such a huge accomplishment not just because of the rivalry in the state of Tennessee, but because what Tennessee basketball meant and means to women's basketball, period. The legendary Pat Summit and all mm-hmm. that she did for women's basketball. Um, so that that was just huge. You 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 were talking about being excited. We were <laughs> you would have thought we had just won the national championship the way that, that felt. It was just a huge burden off of us because we finally did it. And we're very excited. All right. Congratulations on that one. All right, so the first knockoff pet summit, all right, you helped in great high school basketball. 
You graduate from Vanderbilt, and then the pro leagues weren't quite formed yet. But tell us what happened to your career. You leave Vanderbilt. Well, wait. Let me back up on one thing. Sure. On in our soft in my sophomore year, we won the NWIT, which was the first national championship oh, wow. of any team at Vanderbilt. So that was a huge accomplishment as well. All right, now. All right. Okay, so we get that one. Sophomore year, junior year, senior right. year, graduate, and then tell us about the leagues that were just getting started for women to play professionally. Okay, so when I graduated in 1986, there was a league that uh, started, which was called the let's see, the NWBA. And their um, concept and idea was to have professional league for women, but the way that it would be supported was you would actually work a traditional type job. We would practice in the evenings after work, and then we would travel on weekends. Mm -hmm. And I did get drafted into that league. Uh, by the Tennessee, I can't remember what the Tennessee team was, and then I got traded to the Georgia Peaches is what it was called in Atlanta. And unfortunately, oh. that league only lasted maybe about six months, and it was just very disappointing because, you know, we were really excited. We were wanting a league to work, a league where we could play and not have to go overseas and play, and it just didn't happen. And so mm -hmm. not long after that, maybe – I don't know how many years, maybe eight or nine years, the ABL comes along. And, of course, the ABL does, you know, come. and But it was so many women trying to play that it was just not a, enough room and space for everybody to make a roster. And so, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I did not make uh, the roster. And... Um, then years later, what, uh, I don't know how many years later, I'd have to think about it. Um, the WNBA comes along, and I actually tried out for it, what the time was, the Detroit shot. Made it to the final cut, and then just didn't make the last. I made it all the way to the last cut and got uh, cut from that team. So all in all, I mean, it was disappointing, but at the same time, I was glad to even have the opportunity to at least have an opportunity to get a tryout because it was such a long time coming for a league that actually made it and, and you know made some progress. Yeah. And, and for the show, there's still only 144 slots in the WNBA right now, so it's not for great players, it's just not enough spots. So we we have to continue to, to grow this league, to grow this league. Absolutely. Jack, you want to pivot shift in some of the time we have left, and I'm going to ask Jim, Marlo, Gary, jump to the questions as well. So basketball ends, and life, I always tell players, sooner or later, life begins. And so you start, what, what started first? Teaching? Coaching? Engineering? But then how did you get into this uh, entrepreneur, which I love, okay? Interior by so unique. Come on, take us there, Jackie, because this is great. So I'll, I'll give you the short version. So basically, one of my God-given talents is creativity. 
but I also have a technical mind. So I was an I went to college, got an engineering degree, I worked mm-hmm. as an engineer for about five years. Realized that this was not something that I felt like I would be able to do for a career. And so because of my creativity and a lot of things I had learned as a, a teen, I decided to um, try my hand at being more creative. So I decorated my first house and got tons of compliments and people asking me to do it for them. And that's actually how I started Interiors by So Unique. Now that's a wow. very condensed version, but that's how it started. And I've actually had that business for the last 33 years. Hmm. However, in the interim, God had a plan for me and intervened because I was asked by my sister, oh, about, I don't know what year it was, to help my niece's 10-year-old team. They were playing basketball at a little school called Southwest Atlanta Christian Academy. She said, can you come over here and help them? They, I don't really think they know what they're doing. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really interested in coaching, but I'll come and see. You know, that's my niece, and of course I'm going to help family. I go over there, and little did I know what I thought was just a casual come in, help them, <laughs> little rec team. They ended up asking me to help out with the girls' basketball team. And I told them that I wasn't interested and they said, well, will you just come over and just kind of help out? And I was like, yeah, let me see about that. So they offered me the head coaching job, and I said, no. They hired another guy, Jermaine Thompson. He took the job, and he said, well, hey, would you come and help me? And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. I do it for the first year, fall in love with it. The second year, we win the state championship. The third year he leaves, and then they say, now will you be the head coach? And I'm like, wow, yes, I will. And so I stayed there for 11 years. We won two state championships, uh, three runner-ups championships, several region championships. And then I left there and went to Landmark Christian School for four years. And so we had a, I had a 15-year journey that God used me and my gifts and talents to help other young women in basketball. And so in 2019, I stopped um, coaching and teaching. I taught math, Algebra 1 and Algebra 2 while I was mm-hmm. coaching and put my business on the sideline for the time that I was coaching. Um, and then picked it back up. And so I'm back into my business full-time now and helped a lot of young ladies along the way. So I don't regret that journey at all. Yeah. Jackie, I want to mention one person. And then, Jim, I want you to jump in with the next question that's with Marlo and, 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 and Sheila. Uh, we can't get off the show without this. Because you also did track and field. We both had a coach that we shared in common. He coached me in football. But he also coached you and hundreds of young ladies in track and field. And that is the legendary coach, the late coach Sam Smith. And um, just tell me what he meant to you because, you know, tell us. Coach Sam Smith, and as you mentioned, he he was a tremendous coach, a tremendous um, motivator. And the way I got connected with Coach Smith, because I was a 
at, at White's Creek, I was a volleyball, basketball, and softball player, so I thought. I was following my friends to softball, and he <laughs> comes out there and sees me in, with softball and sitting on the bench. He said, this is not the place for you. You need to come on with me and, with, and do some track and field. And I was like, okay. And so the next year, I went out there with him and learned how to um, run and jump. And I was a hurdler, high jumper, long jumper, four by one relay, four by two relay. And we won a state championship with Coach Sam Smith my senior year. And it was an amazing feeling to be a state champion. I also was a high jumper and had a record in Tennessee for probably about 10 to 15 years before it was broken. And it was just an amazing experience. Coach Smith taught me so much about just perseverance and dedication and just mm -hmm. drive and grit. And yeah, uh, yeah. it was an amazing. You mentioned uh, Barbara Frazier earlier, Tiger Rail. We I ran with her during summers in high school on one of our summer track teams. So track was just an amazing <laughs> experience for me because it taught me so much and it prepared me well for basketball. Yeah. yeah. James, who was also was a high school basketball coach. Uh, James, I'm going to you and I'll let you ask Jackie questions if you have Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to say that year, the high school that you taught at, Southwest Christian Academy, that was the same high school Dwight Howard went to? Yes, it is. And the other question I had for you was since you were one of the first African American women at Vanderbilt, did you ever experience much uh, racism in Vanderbilt or? some schools, some other schools in SEC? Um, absolutely. Yes to both. Um, because it was such an early time back in the uh, 1982 to 1986. So I experienced racism with fellow uh, students. I definitely experienced racism when we would travel, especially going to places like Mississippi and Alabama. Mm. And so absolutely, there was racism. Um, you know, all around us. I think a lot of times they tried to shield us, if you will, but the reality is racism was there and it was it was very obvious. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Mm -hmm. Dr. Kemp, let you have the next question. Thank you, Jim. Oh man, Jackie, it's just been wonderful hearing your stories. I've just been putting my little comments in the chat. Um, you know, you, it's just divine intervention all the way around. It's like when you think you have a plan, you know, God always have, you know, a different plan. And your story has just been wonderful to listen to. My question is, what advice would you give to young students or student athletes if they were interested in just making the transition you know, like you did from going from one field, you know, to another field? Well, first and foremost, I would tell them to be open because a lot of times college is a time of discovery and so much information. A lot of times you hear people talk about, like I did, well, I thought I was interested in this or I thought I wanted to do this and then I go to college and explore and experience different classes and different um, things. And then when your interest maybe 
gets wider or broader or it goes in a different direction. And I would just say embrace that. Um, I've always said college to me is more about discipline than anything else. If you can show that you can go in, be disciplined, and come out with a degree, your employer or whatever your career path takes you, wherever your career path takes you, they're going to teach you what they need to know. What they need to know, are you disciplined up and are you trainable? And that's the big thing that I try to tell young people. That's most important, and the rest will come. So that's that's the advice that I would give to them. Thank you. Sheila, I want you to get a question in, because Sheila has two of them backing. She put one through college, and one's a pro tennis player, and she's also played college tennis herself, and she talks about these things. So, Sheila? Question for Jackie before we get ready to get out of here. Yes. I mean, I the one thing I would say or the question that I have is, are you mentoring? Are you doing some kind of mentoring to high school, college, or young women who are in the entrepreneurial spaces? Um, yes, I have. And I have do. And I do. Um, um, when I'm actually coaching for the 15 years, I am still, just two weeks ago, I was with two of my former players, both who are still playing um, professionally overseas, but we were having some interaction and discussions about real estate investing, because I'm also a real estate investor. I know, Cliff, you didn't get that, but it's okay, because I'm a, I'm a renaissance woman. I have many things that I- Oh, I know, Jeff, we got to talk, because I- We'll talk offline. <laughs> so, All right. To answer your question, yes, I've mentored and still continue to mentor, both from a entrepreneurial standpoint, from a um, just being a businesswoman, and all the other things in between. The one thing that I have been blessed with, and I just I can't take credit. God has given that to me because I relate very well. To young people and I'm constantly trying to sh show help and give them as much advice and direction that I can so yes I do Jackie stay right there Dr. Kemp before we I head off give you the last words of the night let me get a few things in the chat Renee great job she loves the show um, Jim loves the show and who else is here Julia Palmer loves the show thank you all along with the 72 people engaged on Podbean Live listening in. So we're here with Ms. Jackie Callen Freeman. Dr. Kemp, before we get out of here. Oh, man, Jackie, it's just been an honor and a pleasure just listening to you, listening to your story. You just share all of your information and just being so humble. Um, and just we just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Continue to share your knowledge. Um, I'm going to have to make sure I follow you so I can just get some um, inspiration, you know, just from you and what you're doing. Uh, but it has been an honor um, of, from one fellow Commodore to another. Um, it has just been amazing listening to you. <laughs> well, Jackie, Dr. Kemp graduated from Tennessee State undergrad, but got a nursing degree from Vanderbilt. Awesome. Jim, you had a comment? I see you opening your mic. Yes, I um heard of you back at Fisk because Cliff used to brag on you then. 
So about Jackie Cowan. I went to high school with her. She she can play. She's over at Vanderbilt. So you know your legend precedes you. I'm glad you came on and you were very. Uh, it was a very great talk today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Jack, hold on there for one second, as we often do on our show. First of all, this is our first season. We're starting in August. It's our first full season, and we've been blessed to start the season. Who would have thought, Jim Marlowe? Coach Crawford, <laughs> Commissioner, yes, Kiki, Baker Barnes, and Jackie Allen to start off our season. So we've been blessed right there. And uh, oh, yeah. Jackie, you've always been a leader. And from one Cobra to another, thanks so much. Continue to do what you do, be who you are, and lead who you lead, because the Lord's continuing to use. And I thank you for taking your time out for on our show. Now, thank you so much, Cliff. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We will have the guests coming up. Dillard University's coach will be coming in September 11th. And then we have the coach, that's volleyball coach, the football coach for Edward Waters College. We're trying to finalize that also in September. And then the Playbook Investors Network. We have a football player coming. And after that, probably Tracy McGrady. He said he's coming on. He's a co-founder with Rodney Woods, who's also from our high school, and the CEO, Rodney Woods, of Playbook Investors Network. So we got a lot coming at you. We'll continue to be look for the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. We will see everyone back, spread the word, in 168 hours from now. One more time, thank you so much. Legendary Miss Jackie Cowan Freeman. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie.